Hi, I'm Phil Trethaway, co-founder of Creativity Plus. You're listening to the Creativity Plus podcast. We bring together two unique creatives to explore the diversity of creative thought. You hear our guests take questions from our live audience and myself. For this episode, we'll be taking our second look at the topic of play. Our guests are Molly Hallweaver and Eric Howard. Molly Hallweaver is an Ultimate Frisbee champion and an ER resident at UC Davis Medical Center. Eric Howard is a co-founder of Fathom, a digital creative studio. The Creativity Plus podcast is recorded live inside the wall building in downtown Sacramento. Thanks for listening. This podcast is proudly sponsored by CADA, neighborhood builder since 1978. CADA has been improving the heart of downtown with projects such as the Warehouse Artist Lofts, Truett Bark Park, Capital Box Art Project, 16 Powerhouse, and many others. To learn more about CADA's efforts and housing opportunities, visit cadanet.org. Thanks for coming, everybody. Like I said, I'm Phil Trethaway, co-founder of Creativity Plus. So Creativity Plus has been going for the last three years. Uh, we put on different events for the creative community here in town. Our goal is to convene and inspire creatives. We want to champion and inspire creatives. We think we have some amazing people doing amazing things in this town. We want to put more of them in front of you. Uh, so my first question, though, is what drives you to practice? Like, what drives you to improve on your play? What drives you to be these people you are? All I care about is the output of what I make. And what I find is once I get something working, and I'm think, thinking about program, programming specifically, all this applies to cooking or anything. Once I make something the first time and see it, then I my bar goes up a little bit. And that feedback loop of watching... Um, having known nothing and then trying it and seeing what happens. And then I, I can't help but say, how could this be different or better or more interesting? Or how can I push that bar up? And that just forces me to try it again. And, and I dabble in all sorts of weird activities and hobbies. But if that feedback loop doesn't exist, then I will probably stop, stop doing that hobby. So what I found is there's five or 10 things that I just continually ask myself, how could this be better? And it's fun enough and interesting enough to learn <clears throat> the tools or techniques I need to, to keep pushing that bar up. And then at some point, you know, it's maybe you're satisfied. I don't, I don't think that bar ever like is good enough. It's, you know, so that's a good answer. So um, we were just talking about how you guys practice with play, but I wanted to know how you guys started. So like, what was the first thing that you either coded? What was the first game that you played? Like, how did you get introduced to programming and Ultimate Frisbee? Mine's easy. I started playing Frisbee in college. And I was a competitive Nordic skier in high school. I grew up in Maine, so pretty random. Um, and then I moved to California for undergrad and started Frisbee. And it was at a tournament, it was like my very last tournament of college, and I'd actually graduated from college early, so I wasn't technically on the roster, and I technically didn't have insurance, and I broke my arm. And I fell, and I broke my, I knew I'd broken my arm, and the, um, the coach of the men's team was a doctor. And I just went over and I said, yo, Daryl, <laughs> pretty sure I just broke my arm, and I don't have any health insurance. And so he splinted me with a, 
a um, legal notepad, like created a splint for me, and then uh, I went to the uh, his doctor, like his office afterwards, and got X-rays, and he casted me, and luckily I avoided a really large bill. And then that's also when I was like thinking about what I wanted to do, and I was like, that's pretty cool that he fixed my arm. <laughs> so uh, frisbee and medicine kind of combined for me. And then also like now that I play frisbee and now that I'm a doctor. These guys can attest as well. Like I field medical questions all the time for my teammates, like texting me, like my knee feels this way. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, go see a doctor. <laughs> Programming in high school, I took a web design class, and I made a no effects like fan site, and uh, it was like, oh man, it was like one of those graphic design is my passion kind of things, Comic Sans and everything. Um, but then that's when Flash, you remember Flash, anyone? Flash? So that's, that's like a multimedia thing. It kind of was a big deal on the web. Uh, and I started to see like how rich these things could be instead of just kind of still images. Uh, and then I just haven't really looked back. But, but I think in terms of like starting from scratch to go back to the first question, I think if a lot of people have like this fear of failure, like this seems difficult and, and what we see on like Twitter or in portfolios is always like after years of refinement and seeing someone who's perfected whatever they do, um, but everyone starts with some rinky-dink little demo, whether it's programming or design or whatever. And I think just picking anything that's reasonable and then trying to make it and just figuring out how, like making the B like a lowercase b instead of like a a to uppercase B, just a little tiny thing. And if that is interesting to go from a tiny idea to an actual product, whether or not it's gonna blow anyone's mind, uh, then I think it's gonna set off a chain reaction. Like it will push you forward. And if it doesn't, you maybe are in the wrong medium, try something else. But everyone's going to find something that's fascinating to them if they're willing to just make something that doesn't feel like you know, magnum opus, but it's, it's going to be like the spark, the catalyst. So I'm really curious about uh, the role of cross-pollination. Um, and so aside from free medical advice, um, I'm wondering, how, have you found any lessons from Ultimate Frisbee showing up in the emergency room? Curious? Hmm. Um, <laughs> or vice versa? Um, or have you found, you know, things that you've, lessons from the computer showing up in the rest of your life or vice versa? Mostly, it'd probably be just about teamwork in general. So I play on a team, and you need a team to succeed. And then it's the same in the ER. So when I'm in the when I'm working, I have my nurses, I have my pharmacist, my respiratory therapist. We have like a whole different spectrum of people who all work together to save people, and couldn't do it without them. So that's probably the the biggest connection for me knowing how to work in a team, knowing how to lead a team. So being a leader on a team on the field and then also at work is, is how it relates, yeah. I think I wasn't very analytical until I started programming. I think I was very like gut first, like just kind of knee-jerk reaction. But once you actually have to break down the steps of something, it's very concrete. Like this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen. Once you start seeing things in that way, like something goes in and it goes through all these like forks and it comes out. I think every other skill I've built has been based on that framework since. So um, if I'm playing music, I will think about 
the systems more than just like, is this fun banging on a drum? Because that's what I did for about 10 years. I just banged on drums for a while. And then I started thinking more about like, well, what's, how's the system after work? And we're working with time. And, and I, it goes into everything I learned now. So I don't think, I think it's just pro propelled like what I'm willing to tr try out because I can break it down into these little tiny bits and then attack those instead of like looking at the whole thing at, at, as one picture, something like that. Uh, well, it's not a full-on question, but it is, I'm curious about the spirit circles and how it just sounds amazing and, and uh, full of energy and it sounds like there's a lot of give and take and, and enthusiasm and curious, does that ever happen when a developer is by themselves? <laughs> And maybe in your, because you, you do collaborate, I know that. So I'm, I'm curious about that for how that works for both of you. Uh, the short answer is rarely. Uh, I think it does come down to collaboration. I, when I'm building something by myself, there's these like little epiphany moments where I just, that feels great. And actually at the end of the day, if I've made something, I feel wildly better than if I haven't for whatever reason, I don't know why. But when you're collaborating, uh, there's this kind of like shared idea that you're slowly building between multiple people. And, and once it actually turns into something and you all see it at once, uh, then you kind of like, you give little thumbs up together. Like, <laughs> this is what we were all thinking about. And now like it's actually manifested. I think that's pretty fascinating. And then when you actually ship a product, ship day, when it goes live, when people start like commenting and reviewing, and you get to see like all this wild feedback, like that uh, is one of the best feelings in my like technology world. Um, spirit is just like how the sport is governed, and then the spirit circle is just like a fun way at the end of the day to have like a shout out and have a like feel good moment, but then it's also a way to make ourselves better. So we actually will give constructive feedback to the other team as well, saying like, if something happened that was not so ideal in the said resolution of whatever the call was, we talk about it and it helps make you better the next the next time. And at work, this, this is a little more morbid, but we, uh, after someone dies, after a code, we have not a spirit circle, but we are circled um, around the patient. And we have a, mo well, a, we have a moment of silence, and then B, we debrief. And so we talk about how the code went and what could have been better, and hopefully it makes the next time this happens go more smoothly. I think I want to follow up on that with Eric on, you know, everyone talks about the, the developer-designer relationship. And, and how that works and that kind of relates, I think, there to collaboration. And are there ways you've seen that go well, not well, in your experience, in, in the spirit circle between designers and developers? Yeah, I've seen both. Uh, it's a spectrum, but I, I think empathy between professions or disciplines is, is critical to it going well. If someone doesn't want to understand or care about the other side, and it, it goes both ways easily, um, it's just hard to work with, with, with that kind of mentality. I think, I think if you, there was this, the logistical part, if you understand how someone designs, or if you understand how a design is to translate into code, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to, to make something together. You know, like an architect has to understand a little bit about structural engineering 
to build something that's not going to fall over. And then the structural engineer has to work with an architect to understand why they designed it this way, because it's a form-based kind of aesthetic. Like, if you don't care about those other things, someone's gonna, you're going to get some nasty hardware sticking out because it, it's, hey, it does the job. It supports the roof. Uh, but you have to respect all sides as much as possible. And then that comes with more learning, which I think is awesome. Um, I'm curious how this place, Sacramento, has affected your work life and your creative life. I'm a native Sacramentan. Yeah. Woo! Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, um, I feel like this town always has this little brother syndrome for sibling, little, little brother, little sibling syndrome with the Bay and probably LA and whatever. Um, but it, in order to, like that competitive spirit or that like underdog nature makes us, I think, um, we have a different perspective than, than another city, and that comes through in all the artists' work that I see. Like, the creativity that comes out of that perspective is more raw and more unique. Um, and then I actually did, I left Sacramento, I went to Philadelphia, and it had a similar thing with New York. So it was nice to see that that like that feeling that people have that there's always like this bigger gravity like kind of pulling resources um if you keep it here and keep refining it i think that like syndrome is going to go away and i, I think we're starting to see that now which is awesome my one connection that i thought was pretty cool when we first met was that buck wild is the creative group that you work for and buck wild is the name of the sacramento ultimate frisbee team and i don't know <laughs> how that happened but that did happen um <laughs> but, well, so I moved here from, I went to med school in Boston, and I moved here for a residency, and I've never lived in Sacramento before. I've lived in the Bay, but not in Sacramento. And um, the great thing about Ultimate is that there's Ultimate players everywhere. And so as soon as I got to Sacramento, there was automatically this group of people that I was able to click with and hang out with and bond with. So for me, it's just been important in terms of, like, having friends and having a life outside of medicine. But I think, I mean, that's, I think, just special for Ultimate in general. And the Sacramento Ultimate community is, and, every, and the Ultimate community in general is trying to be better about um, pushing the conversation on things like gender equity and the conversation about promoting diversity in the sport. So I think SUPA, the SAC Ultimate Players Association, is kind of um, young, but they're, trying to be better and I think that's for a small community like Sacramento is um, really vital and it starts with like getting involved with the youth in Sacramento and the SAC leagues do that as well so I'm just pushing for a plug for SAC Ultimate right now but uh, <laughs> yeah. I used to work at McClatchy as a journalist so I'm very curious to hear a little bit more about the digital storytelling effort that you're involved with. I do remember when that was part of you know the corporate mindset and of course we're all journalism is trying to evolve online so i'm just curious to know where that project went what were the outcomes and where do you think it journalism needs to be in the future i'm not a journalist and my opinion is speculative first of all um i think you, that was the you great the microphone you're good your opinion's strong you think so you really think so <laughs> uh so you know i came just from a technology and creative side um that was one of the reasons why that was fascinating is like 
instead of creating things that maybe don't exist, it's telling stories about things that do exist. Um, McClatchy is doing their best to make sure they don't miss the next screen experience. So video was the, the last big one on the web um, or in digital. And now I think AR is the one. Uh, VR is in a, a bit of a winter, let's say. Um, but everyone has a phone. Everyone can like experience augmented reality like that. So the reason it was started is to see, uh, it's called New Ventures Lab, by the way. That's the, the program. And it's an innovation lab. But it was, it was started just to see how journalism actually does translate to these technologies that are very new. Um, there's some entertainment content, and that's getting bigger and bigger. Um, there's not a ton of nonfiction content here because it's, it's a tough medium to do that in, I'd say. Um, so the outcome in terms of that product, they, it's actually up for an award right now, and I forget the name. Stan, do you know? This, it's a, yeah, I don't know what the ONA is because I'm not a journalist, but I guess it's an award that's nominated for. It's up with the New Yorker right now, which is awesome. Um, so the, the storytelling is doing its job, and it's part of like that digital push to just make sure that whatever the next screen is, where we're all going to be kind of glued to, um, that journalism has a place there, and that real stories and issues are told in in an ethical and fair way, but um, while also being um, more expressive or um, experiential than just reading like long-form journalism, something like that. If you'd like to come on journalism, you may. Or I think the gist of the question is: is what's next? You know, and so it could be what's next for you, what's next for Ultimate Frisbee, for medical, or I think you have a side project you run. What's what's there, and what's next for you in that realm? All right. So, no comment on the journalism, but uh, that was a great answer. And <laughs> What's next for me is just like figuring out what my career is going to be as an emergency doctor and how, um, like what I want my career to look like. And my niche or focus is global health. And so I'll be um, applying for fellowships next year and I'm going to Vietnam in November. But global health is kind of this like broad entity that people throw around and can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And a lot of it is like, I think, self-serving like it's fun to go abroad and have an experience abroad and work somewhere new but um the the goal should be to better or to help the place that you're going to um so that's kind of what's next for me and that's my answer <laughs> that's a beautiful answer all right it is hot in here so i'm gonna go for a last question are you gonna oh, do the last question honors go for it all right so uh as a student, as uh, you know, a lot of students, uh, you know, that are going to school, um, a lot of them deal with imposter syndrome, you know, just feeling like they don't belong, and even in their field of study. So, was there ever a time where you feel like, you know, you had those setbacks, and how did you like overcome them? In I terms feel of it that? right now. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, again, I don't do this. This is I'm in front of a computer all day. Um, it's and I've been going through my portfolio to find all these weird things I've made and uh, it's not until you like reflect f where you came from re reflect back back on that that you see like this is a massive amount of progress and I think um, anyone that's put any time into any skill or craft can just look back a year or really like 
any amount of time and you'll see like, oh yeah, I put in effort and things are much different now. I think keeping a journal is, is great for this because all these weird stresses you have while you're trying to learn a craft or overcome something, you go back a month or a year and it's just like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever worried about. In fact, I'll probably write about speaking in front of people tonight. Oh man, this is stressful, I've, I've never done it. But um, it's, it's about looking at how far you've come and, and stop thinking about the future so much because if you love what you're doing, the future's gonna, you're gonna get there because you're gonna be playing with whatever you're doing like nonstop. But looking, like setting milestones and, and just thinking about what's changed since then. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, imposter syndrome is definitely real in medicine as well. Um, you're surrounded by, as you, as you all are in your fields, you're just surrounded by really intelligent, capable, like their resumes, everyone's resumes just seems like so much better than yours. And so it's really easy to ask yourself like how did I get here and why am I here um, and then same with like I use my days off to play frisbee some people use their days off to do research some people use their days off to volunteer at the homeless shelter there's always you can always be like doing more and that's anxiety provoking um, so it's just something that a I remind myself that everybody feels like we talk about that a lot with my co-residents that when you're when you're feeling a certain way, chances are that there's another person who is also feeling that same way. Um, and then, yeah, like Eric said, you're there for a reason and it's all about the process. And in the moment, it's hard to see, like it's hard to see process when you're in it and it's really looking back when you can see how far you've come. Like for me, now I'm in my third year of residency and I'm meeting all these interns and I'm like, man, they don't know anything. Like they are so <laughs> babies, but that was me like a year and a half ago. <laughs> so it's like easy to, to see it once you're past. Yeah. Let's give it up for our speakers. <laughs> all right, we appreciate you all coming out tonight and thank you. The Creativity Plus podcast is hosted by Phil Trethaway. We are proudly supported by CADA, the Capital Area Development Authority. Our technical and executive producer is Johnny Flores with Flores Podcast Consulting. The podcast is recorded live at the Wall Building in Sacramento, California. Our live events are made possible by our wonderful team of volunteers. Please be sure to rate and review this show. To learn more about Creativity Plus, please visit convenethecreatives.org. And thank you for listening to the Creativity Plus podcast.